Hi, I'm Dan. I'm a photographer, father and husband. And this is the Booze Break Podcast. This is the show for people like me who find themselves stuck in a loop of drinking more often and in more quantity than they'd like. You're welcome to follow me on my journey to change my relationship with booze and explore ways in which to live a more productive, healthy, fulfilling and alcohol-free lifestyle. Welcome to the Booze Break Podcast. is a diary of my journey taking a break from alcohol as well as looking into different ways to help sustain a break from the booze. We'll be going into the ups and downs as I circumnavigate my way through work, family life and social situations without the hooch. I'll be delving into the benefits of living booze free and tackling subjects such as uh, social pressure, health, identity and alcohol representation in the media. Just a quick warning, there's likely to be some choice language and adult themes peppered throughout this series, so if you're easily offended or have children within earshot, you've been forewarned. Full disclaimer up front, I'm not an expert in any of these fields. My opinions are purely based on my own experiences and a little research. I also want to make it clear that I do not judge anyone based on their relationship with alcohol. Do what you want, drink what you want. But if you're like me and want to change your relationship with booze, whether that be to stop completely, uh, take a break, or just cut down, you're welcome here. So, episode two of the Booze Break podcast. Uh, thanks for sticking in there. Day 22 alcohol-free for me so far, which again, doesn't uh, sound like a, a big deal, but for me it kind of is, you know? This is the longest I've been alcohol-free for a long time now. I'm feeling good. Uh, sleep is still excellent. I'm actually looking forward to going to bed these days, which is something, as I mentioned in the previous episode, I kind of bemoaned. I'm, I was never really a fan of going to sleep and going to bed. I'd rather stay up and do stuff, watch programs, drink. Uh, energy levels are massively increased uh, and that seems to be getting better and better as well, which is fantastic. I'm just feeling more energized, more motivated. My eyes are brighter. I know this sounds like a really weird thing to be talking about, but I'm noticing that my eyes, when I look in the mirror, they're whiter than normal. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure whether I noticed that before necessarily, but yeah, I, you know, I've, I've, I look brighter. I look healthier, I think. My mood and patience has definitely improved. You know, back when I was drinking um, regularly, I was an everyday drinker. So as a rule, my sleep wasn't great. Um, although for the most part, I wouldn't necessarily have noticed, you know, it was just, it just become the norm that I was tired quite a lot. And that made me kind of ratty and um, short tempered, uh, impatient, I suppose, I was, uh, you know, was, was where I was at. Exercise has uh, definitely improved again. Uh, exercise and recovery have, have both been fantastic. I'm feeling fitter. I'm feeling stronger. When I'm out on the bike, I, f I feel like I can go much faster for longer. I'm again way more hydrated. Um, so that's that's great. Still losing weight as well. Still, you know, cutting down those pounds, getting rid of those moobs. That's an absolute bonus. And uh, to date, again, thanks to my fancy app, um, it calculated that I've saved £208 by not drinking booze over the last 22 days. So that's great. Just a quick recap from the last episode. I basically just did an introduction into me and, and my journey, sort of how I got to where I am today and the reasons why I decided to take a booze break. So I hope you enjoyed that Um they're not all going to be as long as that. I won't be talking about myself for, for that long. 
um, which leads me nicely into the topic uh, for today so I can stop talking about myself, uh, which is cravings. So this is the, you know, the number one, the first thing that you notice when you embark on a a booze break, this journey of living alcohol free for an extended period of time is you will get these cravings for them. You know, most people will will get some kind of of craving because you've built up this habit, um, this process of of going and, and getting a drink of an evening or whenever it might be. So this is a thing that's going to you know come up quite quickly from from taking a break from alcohol. It's the physical urge to have a drink and want to go and get a drink. Um, this could be potentially triggered by a scenario in which you previously might have had a drink on a regular basis. For me, my triggers were coming downstairs from putting my daughter to bed, um, or even worse, waiting for my wife to put uh, my daughter to bed. Um, you know, you've got that sort of downtime of just sitting there and waiting and thinking, I could crack open a bottle and, you know, get us a couple of drinks. Barbecues, they're a, they're a big trigger for me. I love a beer at a barbecue. Uh, it's just, you know, it goes with the territory, it did. Um, another one which not a lot of people will... Uh, necessarily associate with it is me and my wife really like enjoy playing board games of an evening we're just we're nerds for board games it's a it's a great way to you know spend an evening for us at least and uh, it's just something a bit different to just binging a show which we also enjoy doing so um, yeah usually I I would have a uh, have a you know a beer or a glass of wine or or more uh, while we're playing these board games and chatting and uh, having conversations and stuff. So um, those are the kind of the three big kind of triggers for me. So let's briefly go on to the the science behind cravings. But first, I want to give a quick shout out to the good folks over at One Year No Beer. One Year No Beer have been instrumental during my booze break journey. I signed up to the 90 day challenge on there and the help that both Ruri, Andy, as well as the One Year No Beer Facebook group have given throughout this time has been so valuable. By signing up, I was given access to a ton of helpful resources as well as their amazing Facebook community with over 20,000 members. I get an email first thing every morning with a video highlighting a helpful tip or useful strategies to use throughout the day. Watching these has been such a positive way to start my morning routine and I can't thank them enough. I love One Year No Beer so much that I reached out to them recently and they kindly agreed to help support me in the podcast, which I'm so grateful for. So if you're interested in following in my footsteps and taking on either a 28-day, 90-day or 365-day challenge, you can head over to my website and on the homepage there'll be a One Year No Beer banner that you can click on and sign up for your challenge. I can highly recommend the guys at One Year No Beer and by signing up through my website you'll be helping to support the show, which would really mean a lot to me. But for now, back to the episode. Essentially, cravings are generated by a, a stimulus. And this stimulus would usually require a a response based on your previous actions. So this can be a thought, a scenario, a person, or even just seeing an object. For example, my stimulus, as I mentioned, was let's say my uh, wife would uh, take my uh, two-year-old daughter up to bed. And uh, my response to this, um, based on my previous activity, would be to open up a bottle of wine for us both so that when she came back down, we would have a glass of wine and uh, enjoy that straight away. And that was our default into switching from work slash family time in the day to just being a couple in the evening and relaxing. So when a craving occurs, the brain releases a small burst of dopamine, similar to that caused by the actual 
thing that you're craving itself, like the, you know, the first sip of booze. Uh, I think everyone can relate to that. You know, that first sip or a couple of sips is usually the best. So this dopamine often causes a chain reaction. The dopamine affects the balance in control between the limbic system and the prefrontal cortex, shifting the balance um, towards the limbic system. So why is this bad? Well, the the prefrontal cortex is the sort of decision-making part of the brain. This part of the brain deals with things like rational thought and things like consequences. So that's uh, why this is really poignant. Uh, whereas the limbic system is the um, part of the brain that deals with things like primal urges and your subconscious. The consequences of this are when a craving strikes, the brain thinks less and desires more. Uh, it's using more of the limbic system. So you're more prone to action as opposed to thought. So the brain's less focused on all of the reasons why you shouldn't have a drink and more focused on acting on habits that you've built up over time within your subconscious, such as going to the fridge and grabbing that beer or popping the cork on that bottle of wine. So how do we combat this imbalance in your brain between the prefrontal cortex and the limbic system? The first way um, is to actually get your mindset right. So stress and negative emotion really fuel cravings. Okay, it's like a, it's like their food. If you if you're more stressed and if you're depressed, uh, you've got some negative thoughts. Um, you're more prone to kind of give in to cravings. So training your mind and body to cope with these emotions will make a huge difference to how easily you combat cravings. So I know what you're thinking right now. I bet you're like, he's going to talk about meditation any second now. Yep. Sorry, mind and body exercises such as yoga and meditation are well documented. There's tons of research showing that um, practicing these uh, methods of mindfulness and finding calm massively improve your ability to deal with stress and negative emotion. I can personally vouch for this. Meditation and practicing mindfulness really helped me out through a pretty rough patch of anxiety and depression about a year or so ago. So getting that step done first which is it's a big step i know it's 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 a topic in itself but if you can get yourself to a stage where you're calmer you've got less stress on your mind at the point where you're going to have to deal with cravings that's going to really help you out so that's the first step the the second uh, technique is using mindfulness um this is a technique that i used um uh, through the help of Headspace, uh, the app. If you if you haven't got Headspace, I definitely recommend checking it out. I'm not sponsored by Headspace at all. I just I genuinely think this is a fantastic app. So I used Headspace when I was uh, struggling with my anxiety, but the process works just as well for combating cravings. So here's the process. When you find yourself having the sensation of a craving, just stop and sit with that feeling for a second. Start to notice your thoughts surrounding that craving. Allow these thoughts to come and go naturally without trying to change them or battle them in any way. Now, when you're having these thoughts, try to add the phrase, I'm having the thought, to the beginning of these thoughts. For instance, uh, if you're thinking about wanting to have a glass of wine, try saying, I'm having the thought of wanting a glass of wine. I know it sounds silly, but try it out in your head. Um, every time you get this kind of uh, craving or a sensation, try using this technique. I'm having the thought of wanting a glass of wine. The reason why I say this is, is doing this puts distance between yourself and the thought or the impulse itself. You're kind of separating yourself from this impulse, separating yourself from the limbic part of the brain, the part of the brain that deals with uh, impulses and um, primal urges. 
Try doing this a few times and get used to adding this phrase to um, the beginning of each of your thoughts surrounding your cravings. And once you've got used to this process, um, we can step it up another level by adding the phrase, I'm noticing that I'm having the thought. So again, similar kind of process. When you get that thought that, you know, I want to have a glass of wine, try adding to the front of that, I'm noticing that I'm having the thought of wanting a glass of wine. This puts yet another layer of distance between yourself and the craving. It's using that prefrontal cortex, the decision-making part of the brain that we talked about earlier, um, rather than the limbic system, the, the stuff that deals with the primal urges. You're essentially training and conditioning your mind to change its relationship with cravings. The more you practice this technique, the less gripping the cravings become until you barely notice them at all. You get used to this. It's something that, again, I, I used when I was dealing with anxiety. And if I was having a negative thought or a worry or a concern, I would use this process. And um, it worked. It, it genuinely worked because it, it kind of it took it. It took it from being real. It's it's a hard thing to explain without doing it but it 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 sort of took it out of reality and put it in a space that wasn't really happening i can't recommend this process enough genuinely it's it's fantastic i highly recommend getting the headspace app um uh, they actually have guided meditations specifically based around cravings uh, i'll be honest i haven't tried them um but i imagine they're very similar but definitely check that out um when i, when I had a look there was 30 um different meditations based around uh, craving so you can kind of start off and, and you're not expected to be a master of meditation when you go into this you kind of build it up and you can spend as little as I think five minutes or less um, so it doesn't have, you know you're not necessarily tucking yourself away for an hour although that is an option um, you can build it up in stages and it genuinely really helps the third technique that I'm going to recommend to you is actually changing your routine so uh, a way of avoiding cravings completely is to change your uh, routine entirely uh, based around that time that you would get that craving. So if you find yourself having a craving at a particular time, let's say seven o'clock in the evening, it's pretty, pretty standard for a lot of people, switch up your activities around this time. Go for a run maybe, do some exercise if you can. Um, actually, what's interesting about exercise is it also releases dopamine. So, um, you know, in the same way that um, alcohol does. So if your body and your brain is, is looking for that dopamine hit, um, you can still get that, but in a more beneficial way, I suppose. Um, another option is read a book. Uh, you know, I, I, since stopping drinking, I've been reading a lot more. I'm really enjoying it. I'm finding I'm reading a lot faster. I'm a lot clearer in, in my reading as well, which is fantastic. Uh, so that's another option. Again, you could meditate. Um, you could also engage in a new hobby or an interest. We talked about that um, in the last episode, but you've got time now potentially to, and uh, it potentially even, you might have even freed up some funds uh, to be able to engage in a new interest or a hobby. So you could kind of squeeze that into the time where you would usually be drinking and that'd be a fantastic use of your time. So by changing your routine, you bypass that stimulus, that scenario where you would have usually reached for the booze. Another option is uh, actually using alcohol-free alternatives. So that's a little controversial for some people and it wouldn't be suitable for all individuals, but uh, another option could totally be to have an alcohol-free alternative like a... Um, an alcohol-free beer or a, or a you know, alcohol-free glass of wine. There's, there's different v variants on that. So there, there is outright 0% alcohol drinks on the market. There's, def there's definitely a certain name for them, and but some of them will have, uh, some also have a um, like 0.5% uh, on the bottle. 
And it's not always actually bang on 0.5%, but I think they've got to put that on there. Don't quote me on that, but there might be just like a, like trace amounts of, of alcohol. But um, again, they're an option. They're fine for me because um, although I often mention about the fact that I'm alcohol free, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of not necessarily about the fact that I've got zero alcohol in my body entirely. Uh, it's just all of the processes around, you know, being, you know, hungover and stuff like that so i'm not too much of a purist when it comes to things like that if if there's if there's a beer that's 0.5 alcohol um i'm fine with that as well I'd, I'd have to drink quite a lot of those to to get the kind of buzz that i was used to getting from you know drinking daily there's a bit of downside to that of course in the fact that um they're usually relatively calorific nowhere near as bad as um you know, normal beer and normal wine i don't believe uh, but it's still something you have to factor in especially if you're mixing this booze-free journey with um you know trying to lose weight or you know be healthier keep keep the calories down so non-alcoholic beers we'll just call them non-alcoholic beers because it's easier um and wines and spirits have come a long way in recent years and i've sampled some really really excellent beers specifically i imagine many of you have actually tried non-alcoholic beers in the past uh, i know i i you know my first experiences of a non-alcoholic beer wasn't that pleasant it didn't quite hit the spot for me as when back when i was drinking um, so I've definitely had those experiences in the past. I will say, though, the supermarkets are stocking more and more great quality alternatives compared to the usual suspects. Um, and brewers are seeing a market opening up for continually for uh, alcohol-free alternatives. There's, there's more and more people switching over, whether that's because they're, you know, they're outright having a booze break like me. Or, you know, there's there's more options in pubs so that you can still drive, you know, when you've when you've finished socializing with your friends and, and stuff. So uh, it, it's getting better and better. The market's getting bigger for sure. However, in my opinion, you do have to do put a little bit more effort in when it comes to finding the best examples of alcohol-free alternatives. And from my personal experience, ordering online is probably the best bet for the most part. There's definitely going to be um, some local shops that are going to be selling some great craft options uh, it's not necessarily the case where i am although in my local supermarket they have got a really really well stocked shelf of alcohol free alternatives um, but they tend to be from the the usual kind of suspects you know these kind of big beer companies who are um you know offering a, a, an alcohol free alternative which is fantastic uh, but i found a lot of um like small batch um, you know sort of micro brewery um, suppliers um, online that do seriously insane quality beer. Uh, I had a couple of cracking beers uh, at a barbecue um, at our house the other day. Um, I genuinely couldn't tell the difference. You know, it it, it didn't taste watery. Some, some alcohol-free alternatives, again, some of the lesser quality ones can kind of taste a bit metallic-y, uh, but this definitely wasn't the case. I genuinely couldn't tell the difference. I had to look at the bottle. Um, to just double check that it was definitely alcohol free. It was fantastic. So I'm definitely gonna be ordering some of that again. I genuinely can't remember the name of it right now. It was German. I remember that. Uh, but I'll try and leave a link in the show notes so you can check that out. I can highly recommend checking out uh, drydrinker.com, which was where I got my um, last order from. I got three boxes uh, from those guys. Um, a, a mix of um, alcohol-free wines and beers. I haven't actually tried the wines yet, but the beers have all been fantastic. There's been no duds at all. 
This stuff is miles above uh, the stuff that I sampled in the, the local supermarket. However, like I said, this option might not be for everybody. Um, Alcohol-free alternatives can be a bit triggering for some people, so bear that in mind when you're making your decision. For some people, it's definitely better to just cut all alcohol and all associated drinks from their lives to sustain a, a, a proper break from the booze. So just to recap, those are the four techniques that I can highly recommend for tackling cravings. Um, I will say that, I'm, again, I'm not an expert in in these fields. Uh, so it's just a case of my experiences and a little bit of research uh, as well. But I've used every single one of these um, techniques and they've worked for me for sure. So the first one, address your mind, uh, reduce any additional negative thoughts or stress you might be currently going through. You know, use mindfulness and uh, the technique of separating yourself from that impulse in a calm and clear way. So using that prefrontal cortex, the decision making part of the brain rather than the limbic system, uh, which deals with more of your subconscious and your more primal urges um, that's been conditioned by previous actions and habits over a long period of time. Switch up your routine, uh, replace that point in the day where you would feel the urge to grab a drink uh, with something more wholesome and beneficial like exercise or a hobby. And finally, switching your glass of wine or beer to an alcohol-free alternative. So I hope these have been beneficial to you. Uh, I hope they've been helpful. Uh, please let me know your thoughts. And if you have any other suggestions on how to tackle cravings, I'd love to hear them. Uh, you can leave your comments uh, on the Facebook, Instagram, or the website at facebook.com forward slash podcasts. On Instagram, it's at boozebreakpodcast and the website, which is boozebreakpodcast.com. Uh, you can leave a comment under the episode and uh, I'd love to hear from you. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Booze Break Podcast. I would love it if you could subscribe and get notified when new episodes become available. I'd also be very grateful if you could leave me a positive review on wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're feeling extremely generous, I've actually set up a Patreon um, for the Booze Break Podcast. So you can head over to boozebreakpodcast.com and click donate. And this will take you over to my Patreon page. You can support me and the show by donating to the Patreon for as little as £7.50 per month. Uh, this will get you access to future episodes before they're officially released, as well as the coveted Booze Break sticker. Because who doesn't like stickers, right? There are also other options where you can get a shout out on the podcast, free merch. And there's also an option where you can get access to the secret Facebook group. This is a community where we can all hang out together, share inspiration and help support each other as we're all embarking on our booze break adventures. So head on over to boozebreakpodcast.com and then press the donate and check that out. Your support really means a lot to me and I really appreciate it. So in the next episode, I'll be exploring alcohol and your identity. This is something I've been really excited about researching and looking into. We'll be looking into how I identified as a drinker, um, societal expectations surrounding identity and booze, uh, and what role the media has to play within this. It's a really interesting topic, and I'm really excited to share with you guys. I'd like to close out with a question, as I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. If you could cut alcohol out of your life right now, do you think that would impact on your identity? Would it change people's perception of you as a person for good or bad? I'll post the question on the website. Uh, you can also, again, check it out on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, so facebook.com forward slash boozebreakpodcast. And on Instagram, it's just at boozebreakpodcast. I'd love to chat with you guys in there. For now, though, thanks so much for listening to the Booze Break Podcast. I'm Dan, and I'll see you in the next one. Peace.